On today's episode of the Marketing Expedition podcast, I get to speak with Daniel Hodges, JD, or Juris Doctorate. He is an activist dedicated to assisting others with disabilities and chronic illnesses reach their full potential. While in law school, Daniel founded Pieces of Me Foundation, a nonprofit that promotes universal access and inclusion. Daniel's perspective has been shaped by his experiences as a blind man with chronic pain and other conditions. He has spent a lifetime surpassing the low expectations placed before him, and his personal calling is to help others do the same. So we're going to talk with him all about wonderful things, but before we do that, I need to get into our marketing essentials moment. All of the basics that you need to help you continue to build your brand and your bottom line. And today I wanted to talk about some some tips to give you when you are networking versus relationship building. So I'm going to give you some <laughs> a few tips. And I adopted this list of 10 things from my dear friend, Tracy Stone Mooney. And uh, we've done a lot of different things together. She's just a wonderful partner in our community and just a wealth of information and knowledge. So I'm going to share this of what not to do and what to do. <laughs> so number one, Don't play business card poker. When you go to an event, you're not there just to pass out every card to every person that you meet, right? You want to make it meaningful and make it to where, you know, if you give your card to somebody, it's because either they asked for it or you really want to follow up or have them follow up with you or you ask for a card, right? So just be meaningful and mindful and be intentional about your cards. Number two, don't be jaws. No time suckers. It's not all about you, right? You want to listen just as much as you are talking and want to understand what the other person is that you just met. Learn a little bit more about them. Maybe, um, you know, ask them some questions so you can get some meaningful conversation going, right? Number three, dress for success. (laughs) I love this one. No three T's or three B's. Tanks, toes, or tattoos, which, you know, tattoos, depending on your audience, may be a little more acceptable now these days. But think about, you know, your audience and dressing for success. And then the three B's, no butts, busts, or belly shirts, right? Again, think of your audience and who you want to impress, right? So dress for success to impress. Number four, don't go overboard on the smorgasbord contain yourself with food and beverage. You know, it's always uh, hard to introduce yourself with a mouthful of food. So, you know, take small bites and don't overload your plate. And you need to, you know, sometimes you have to hold your plate and your glass of wine at the same time. So think about how you can navigate that and the things that you have. So not going overboard on the smorgasbord, you know, use your time wisely while you're there. Of course, you want to eat a little, a little nosh while you're there. If you're especially enjoying a glass of wine, it's probably a good idea to have some food with that. So you know, think about how you're strategically going to have your food and beverage when it makes sense to do it. And, uh, you know, trying to talk to people with food in your mouth is not always going to going to be the best thing. And then after you eat something, make sure you don't have anything in your teeth. That is just, you know, sometimes people will eat something and then they've got something stuck in their teeth. And it's just uh, hard to, to get past when you're wanting to have a nice conversation and there's just food in your teeth, right? So think about how you can strategically make sure that there's nothing in your teeth. Even ask somebody, hey, do I have anything in my teeth? (laughs) Number five, don't muddy the waters. Focus on what you do for the business that you're associated with first, and not all the side projects and side hustles you may have, right? Unless it's asked about in conversation, but, you know, articulate clearly how others can help you and how you can help them. So just being very clear and concise with your kind of 30 second elevator pitch, right? Take 30 seconds to explain what it is that you do, who you serve, why you do what you do, and and just make it very clear. Number six, global warming. 
don't talk poorly of others. You never know who knows who. And honestly, when you talk poorly of others, they may think that you're going to talk poorly of them. So they may not want to trust you because you're talking so poorly of others and may make you look bad. Now, it's always, you know, sometimes you do want to share information if somebody, you know, that's factual, that something happened or a story that occurred. But, you know, just be careful of who you're talking about and, and what you have to say because it could make you look bad and then maybe people won't want to do business with you because they may not trust you. So yeah, it's kind of a trust buster if you talk poorly of others. Number seven, don't be late, be prompt, right? (laughs) I'm very guilty of being prompt. I'm not late. I'm not early. I'm just prompt generally. But you know, my son did a a essay one time and Vince Lombardi said, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. (laughs) So, you know, just be prompt or be, you know, wise with your time and, and thinking about traffic and commuting and getting there and, you know, doing your best to try to get there on time. And number eight, better seen than heard. Listen more than speak, right? We're there to listen and learn and how you learn how you can be that go-giver that you've always wanted to be. You know, the go-giver mentality, Bob Berg wrote the book, The Go-Giver, and then the go-giver sells more, right? Because you give value and then it reciprocates in, in abundance, ideally, if you have an abundance mentality. Number nine, follow up. Follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. That's the hardest thing sometimes is you've got this wonderful conversation and, you know, they may be interested in what it is that your, you know, your product or your service, but if you don't follow up with them, then, you know, it's kind of in one ear and out the other, it's gone unless they, you know, really, really want to get to you. But if, if they have interest and they say to follow up with you, then gosh, you better just make sure that that happens. And there's lots of things you can do to automate that process. You know, if it's an email sequence or email follow-up, up that you've already pre-written that you could then just take and customize based on the conversation, based on that meaningful moment that you made that connection of something that, you know, you could relate to or that they could relate to, right? And, And that way it also makes it memorable to follow up with them and say, hey, we had such a great time. I, you know, love learning more about your, you know, granddaughter or whatever the case might be. I loved learning more about what it is that you did in your business. I would like to learn more, right? Let's, let's get together for what I like to say, coffee, cocktail, or conversations, right? So there's some some more letters and acronyms for you, but the three C's either meet up with coffee, uh, conference calls, or <laughs> or cocktails, whatever, right? Or I guess I could add another scene. Hey, let's uh, you know, let's go to Cabo. I don't know. But number ten, finally, don't give up, right? Sometimes you may not meet the people who's in your target audience that may not be able to be a good fit. But you know what? When you know somebody and can make a connection with somebody, and then you can introduce them to other people guess what happens? It reciprocates. And then they want to introduce you to other people and then they'll give you the referrals, right? And so, you know, thinking about the five R's, raise five R's. I love, I love saying these because these are all the things that you can do once you get to know people. Ratings and rankings, reviews, recommendations, referrals, and then of course, rewards, right? Reward those who do that for you so that you can continue those relationships and continue to build upon making your networking and business development, and lead generation, all those things that you're working on work, right? So set some goals meet, you know, let's say you go to an event, you want to meet maybe three new friends that are meaningful to you or 10 new friends, whatever the goal is. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be that number of friends, but more about, you know, I want to meet the right people. And I, you know, I'm going to talk to people that I can meet that would be somebody that I want to serve and help, right? And then set a time limit, know your exit strategy, just like your food and beverage strategy, 
you know, if you got a place to be afterwards, know your extra strategy and when you're going to leave and when a, an opportune time to leave might be. Number three, plan ahead. Think of those. Oh, by the way, this is the 10 things to do. Those earlier were the 10 not to do. And then this is my list of the things to do. So number two, set the time limit, know your extra strategy. Number three, plan ahead. Think of those icebreakers or topics for, com- you know, for discussion. Ron Price uh, from Price Associates, one of my favorite mentors, and of course, he's a client and, and vendor all at the same time, but he uses the thing called form, and then I've adapted to it as well, but he says family, occupation, recreation, mission, or I've added uh, adapted a little bit more. I don't want to talk about family. That's okay. You could talk about food, uh, but of course, then your organization, you know, what you do, and then if not recreation, then talk about relaxation, and if not mission, then what's your mom? or what motivates you, right? Why do you do what you do? So form is something that you can continuously think about. If you run out of things to say, think of your form and how you can use that to your advantage. That way you never run out of anything to ask or uh, talk about. If If the conversation goes dull and they're not talkative, right? You can ask those questions of them and, you know, get them talking, get them to answer, you know, who their family is or what kind of food they love most, um, what their occupation is and what they'd like to do for recreation or relaxation. If they like to go to mountain resorts or, you know, the beach, you know, think about the different things you can ask them and have those kind of queued up in your mind when you meet new people. So that way it's not awkward for you. You just automatically have something to speak about. Number four, stories. Share personal stories. Avoid politics, religion, and gross health stories. No one wants to hear about that. <laughs> Unless, of course, it's, you know, relevant to where you're at. If you're at a, you know, a health conference, then chances are you can talk about gross health health uh, stories and it'd be all right. But just, again, know your audience and just know the, the place to talk about politics and religion, right? If it's acceptable, great. If not, then maybe, you know, think about other things that you could talk about first before you just dive right into those things that could be a little off-putting at first. Number five, intro. Ask for introductions. If you see somebody in a room that you know, you can go to them and talk to them and say, hey, you know, I'd really like to meet that person over there, or I'd like to meet some people, or I'm new to this. I've never been here, and I really don't know anybody. Who do you know? And I love to introduce people. I love to make connections. And, you know, this happens all the time where, you know, you, you've got some newbies or some maybe inexperienced or young, you know, professionals that want to, you know, make, make something of themselves in the world. So, you got to give them that chance and give them and set them up for success, right? Tee them up for that. Number six, ask open-ended questions. So don't just ask questions that people can just say yes or no. So no yes or no answers, but, you know, go deeper. You can ask them a question, but then ask them why and ask them why again. You know, you can ask somebody why, you know, five times if you want about the topic that you're discussing. And then number seven, relationships, right? We're here to build relationships. And earlier, you're not here to display business card poker, but we want to build trust. We want to be authentic, genuine, and ask how you can help, right? Everyone has some sort of community thing that they get involved or some nonprofit that they support or some school thing that their kid is doing. I don't know. Ask how you can help or how you can make connections to get people the help that they might need in some, you know, project that they're working on or whatever the case might be. 
Number eight, give. Volunteer for the groups or organizations that maybe they need some volunteers, right? Leads come from leaders. Leads come from leaders, right? So if you are surrounding yourself with other leaders, surrounding yourself with people who do good in the community, chances are those are the types of people you may want to do business with, right? That are like-minded, that maybe are involved in the same nonprofits or projects that you are. Again, you know, just being that go-giver and, and thinking about how working with them then kind of builds that trust and it's uh, inherently there, right? It's kind of that speed of trust that continues to to evolve and grow with the the more face time you have with people and how you can volunteer and support. And uh, as we talk about supporting nonprofits and supporting the causes that are prevalent in our community, there's definitely lots of ways to get involved and lots of things that you can rally around and then being surrounded by those people that you want to do business with too. And then number 10, again, I'm just going to repeat it because it's worth repeating. Follow up, follow up, follow up (laughs) within 48 hours or less, right? Even 24 hours or even, you know, five hours. My friend Sarah Cortez, she has, you know, the five, five minute rule, right? Hey, it was so great to see you as a text. And then the next day within five hours or five days and follow up, follow up, follow up. And so thinking about how you would do that and what you could do and how you would go about it doing it. I love to make connections. And when I follow up with somebody that they wanted to be introduced to someone else, you know what I might do? I might actually organize a lunch or coffee with the two of those people that I want to meet. Because then there's somebody, you know, they're introducing both of them and, you know, singing both of their praises as to why I think that they should be meeting up. And so, yeah, sometimes I'll do a little, you know, coffee or, hey, or I'll find an event that I know that this other person's going to be at that I'm at. And then I want to, you know, have have the next person meet that person. So I'll invite that other person to the event that I know that they're both going to be there. And so I, you know, it's kind of like business matchmaking almost. I want to help fuel those connections. And, you know, I know somebody that could help you with that, or I know somebody that you've got to meet because, you know, whatever the reason that comes up. So making those meaningful connections and then being in the same room with the people that you want to work with and, and having those connections made can certainly help you to continue your business efforts and in helping you build your brand and of course your bottom line, right? Okay, so now that I have gone through the marketing essentials moment, I need to give you a quick little message and then we'll get into our interview that I am sure you're going to love. I really, really, really appreciated talking with Daniel. So you are going to like it too. Okay, so now I want to tell you about Aspiration, and I have a $75 offer for you. You can join Aspiration, a financial firm with a conscience. Sign up with using my link and go to peppershock.com slash offers. And if you spend $250, then we both will get $50 cash and then $25 do-good dollars to donate. Of course, terms and conditions apply, but during this link, you can sign up for it. It's an app, and it's saving money. It's saving the planet and saying hello to money that works for you. Aspiration puts more money in your pocket and helps you save the planet. There's zero fees at any ATM in the world, zero monthly and overdraft fees, fossil fuel free deposits, and then gain your own personal impact score. Get $600 in cell phone insurance when you pay your monthly bill with your debit card and unlimited cashback rewards on every purchase, extra rewards for spending at socially conscious companies, 
Pepperstock.com/offers. And again, terms and conditions apply, but go to Pepperstock.com slash offers and sign up for aspiration and you will get to give some do good dollars to donate. I love it. And so then I will too, which is awesome. All right, let's get into the interview with Daniel. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest, we have Daniel Hodges. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. It's good to be here. So, Daniel, let's tell our audience a little bit more about you and all of that you do and how you got started into what it is that you're doing now. Thank you. Yeah, so I am a recent law grad, and I decided to go to law school based on my experience as a guy who was born blind and with some other disabilities and health conditions. I wanted to practice at the intersection of healthcare and civil rights, but while I was in law school, I decided that one of the most effective ways I could leverage that was to start a nonprofit. So I did so with my cousin and we created the Pieces of Me Foundation, which helps destigmatize issues related to disability and chronic illness. And we've been doing that for the last couple of years while I was in law school and then now as I've um, graduated. Wow, that's very ambitious of you to take on law school and start a nonprofit and doing all that you're doing. That's that's amazing. Thank you. Um, not probably not the wisest thing in the world I did. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I've really enjoyed it and it has kept me motivated motivated through times. So, you know, I'm glad I've been able to have this experience. Absolutely. So, okay, let's um, let's go back a little bit further. What made you decide to start law school to begin with? So I was at a point in my life where I had been floundering. I'd gotten my bachelor's degree and had been looking around for jobs. Nothing quite fit. I had looked at different master's opportunities, wanted to go in and make an impact on the patient advocacy side and really couldn't find anything, anything that fit. And so a couple of mentors of mine who didn't know each other came to me within a couple of days of each other and said, look, you're articulate, you're smart, you're well-written, you have a strong passion for advocacy. Why wouldn't you consider going to law school? And I said, well, I don't know that I can. I don't know that I'm smart enough. I don't have the money. I don't think that someone with chronic pain would survive in that field, et cetera, et cetera. And I always challenge like, you know, hey, you have been advocating all these things. You really need to take a look in and see where your doubt is stopping you and see if this is right, the right path for you. And so I did. And a year later, I was in law school back on this journey, challenging myself to stop succumbing to my limiting beliefs. That's fantastic. And I can only imagine what was going on in your mind when all of that was happening as you were trained to make that decision and, and all the things that you are going through. Tell me, when you wanted to do the nonprofit with your cousin, that seems like it would be a whole huge undertaking in and of its own. What did you do to get it started? It really was. And unlike a lot of nonprofits that start off with a benefactor who hands them a check to cover the 
you know, applications and all of that stuff, we didn't really have any seed money. So we had that additional challenge. And, you know, I had the law school path I was already on. I also, like I mentioned, struggle with chronic pain and chronic fatigue. So I needed something to motivate me to look at what I could do rather than focusing on the pain. But then Christy also has her own set of circumstances. She has chronic pain and some other things as well. So we were at this inflection point where on, on one hand, we had every excuse in the world not to proceed, but at the same time, those experiences and seeing the gaps in the market that needed to be addressed with a new organization is what propelled us forward because we had the opportunity to leverage these experiences and really create some good from them. So tell me about some of those success stories, how you've helped people serve in, in, in what you've done to serve them in your organization now. So we've had a few different kinds of success stories. We've had volunteers who have come into our orbit and become more comfortable with their identity as someone with a disability, which I think is a fantastic result. Yeah. We have had an organization come to us earlier this summer and said, look, we are doing our annual meetings in Phoenix, which is where you're based out of. And we thought about doing a service project for individuals with disabilities as part of our DEI initiatives. And I said, well, wait a minute. What we need isn't a service project as much as we need inclusion. We need access. And so since they were the board that oversees registrations and certifications for landscape architects, I'm like, look, rather than just doing a quick one-off service project, let's talk about universal design. Let's help your population understand that good design and accessibility go hand in hand. And we had somewhere close to 40 people show up in the midday sun in Phoenix to walk through a park with us and see how inaccessible it was and how we could improve it. On one day and the following day, we had even more people show up for the hybrid Zoom and in-person Q&A session, asking questions, taking notes, really figuring out how they could take this back to their companies and bring universal design forward. So that was, that was a huge success for us, I thought. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about universal design. What are some of the components or elements that you think that companies are lacking that they need to include or consider including more of? I think it all starts with this misunderstanding that universal design or building an access is unduly burdensome or expensive. And what we're trying to do is flip that narrative on its head and say, look, something that is truly designed well doesn't just provide access to those of us with disabilities, it improves the user experience for everyone. You know, the, the classic example is the curb cut that is used by individuals who are chair users, but it's also used by parents with strollers. It's used by people who just don't wanna step up onto the curb. It has become ubiquitous right. in our cities and towns. Another example is something called OCR, which is what you use when you're scrolling through a PDF and want to be able to search it or, you know, make notes in it, that sort of thing. That technology was originally developed to help individuals who are blind or visually impaired be able to read print documents. It would be able to use a computer to read the characters on the screen and or the paper and then convert it into audible text. Well, that has led to being able to have searchable PDFs and other things. So it's 
I always say that universal design is the catalyst that brings forth innovations that benefit everyone. Absolutely. And I do think from a marketing perspective too, right, to be able to say that you are utilizing universal design, that you are thinking about others that may, you know, want to read or see or hear in, in ways that maybe uh, some of us don't. And so if you can think about how your design and how you're, you're implementing your tactics and strategies so that you can really include everyone in various different ways. And, and I think that from a marketing perspective, it's really smart for companies to really consider how they could use these tools to help people even further. Okay, so f from your perspective, um, it, marketing agencies, what could they do? How could they, you know, use these tools to implement to make it better? What kind of things can they incorporate or, you know, what sort of access to tools do they need? So I'm going to give a good marketing, hopefully what, what will be a good marketing example here. A lot of marketing companies like to use different kinds of images or other kinds of graphics. And in order to make them fully inclusive, you want to use what they call alt text or basically that caption that says, this is a picture of a boy holding a ball or this is a picture of a sign that reads ABC. Now, what that does is it not only makes it accessible for the millions of people that are blind or visually impaired, it also increases your SEO because Google does not currently have the capability of compartmentalizing and recognizing images in their search. But what it can do is it does use alt text to help increase search engine optimization. So it's not only doing the right thing for us, it's actually doing the right thing for the company. Absolutely. I like I like it when there's multi-uses and multi-purposes, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of images that get used, if they've got that alt text, it'll absolutely help search engine optimization and, and be more helping the page get ranked higher and then also more accessible to those that, that need to see what's on there and be hear it, even though they can't necessarily see it. So... A great example, good idea for sure. Okay, so so who are who are your ideal clients that you serve? Like, how do you find the people that you need to help most? You know, when we started out, we initially had pinpointed the people who are drifting through life with a disability or chronic illness and not getting the supports they need, not having access to the resources that are going to help them fulfill their potential, and that is still our primary concern. But at the same time, we've really discovered this need within the broader population for greater insights on how someone who doesn't identify as having a disability to be a better ally, to be more inclusive. I mean, people are much more conscious of that need now than they used to be, which is great, but we're still lacking a lot of information or a lot of action points that would help people implement their best desires. So I see that as being another element where Pieces is really stepping up and trying to bring people in and help them really implement these ideas. I love that. I love that. Okay. So what are some aspirations or some things that you're looking for forward to in the future and what success look like for, for Pieces of Me for your foundation? We are hoping to build, we are in the process of building what is becoming a virtual community for individuals with disabilities and their allies, where 
people come in, they share their insights, they share their questions, they share the resources that have been useful to them. And the model is basically everyone has something to give and everyone has something to learn. I don't care what your circumstances are, those two facts are, I think, basically universally true. And as the technology develops, we are hoping to create well, what will effectively be the Wikipedia of disability resources, because a lot of organizations and individuals have done a great job collecting what they're aware of or having their teams collect what they're aware of. But if you keep that resource list in-house, then you're limiting it to the reach that you have within your team. But we're looking at it from the Wikipedia model and saying, if we harness the power of the crowd, we can create something that just completely changes the paradigm of what people have access to. I love it. Okay, so what are some resources or maybe some tools that uh, people could use to be able to become more inclusive, more you know, accessible? What are some things that come to your mind that, that people should check out because they need to learn more? I would say we have a few articles on our website already, and we're always adding more that explore these topics, quick little, you know, couple of page articles that people can comb through and gain some key points. But I think beyond that, the advocate in me says, if you want to know more about the authentic experience of someone, reach out to them directly or reach out to, like, if you want to know more about blindness or you want to know more about autism or you want to know more about various other kinds of circumstances or characteristics, reach out to the groups that represent those populations because we have the ability to give you an inside look and it is in our best interest to do so because we want to combat the the misconceptions, the stigmas, the myths that are out there. What do you think some of those misconceptions or myths are and maybe some obstacles that people commonly have to overcome? What, what are some things that people think that are reality, but maybe not? And then what are some of those realities that those that need to overcome them? So there is a tandem of myths that almost kind of bounce off one another. One of them is that someone with a disability has diminished capacity overall compared to our non-disabled peers. And the other is kind of dovetailing off of it that says, well, if you have decreased vision, you must have increased hearing or some way to try to counterbalance the, perce the perceived deficits so that it can be more palatable. And the reality of the matter is we're all just human beings. I have my strengths and weaknesses you have your strengths and weaknesses, so does everyone on this planet. And my blindness or my connective tissue disorder are simply characteristics among a vast amount of characteristics that I have within myself that just makes me me. And that's really what I'm trying to bring this back to is rehumanizing that discussion. That's right. It can, it, we're not super Marvel characters that can have, you know, superpowers in different ways, but we all we all do have our own superpowers though. And, and I think you're right. I think it's it's the characteristics of who who we are and the makeup of what experiences that we have and gathered. So, I think uh, it's a good point to to bring out that, you know, everyone has their own abilities and capabilities. So, yeah, I think that that's a great way to look at it for sure. 
Okay, so what are the what are some of the things that you've accomplished so far that you are the most proud of and that you need people to know more about? So I would start off by saying when you think of a guy who just graduated law school, you assume that I had a certain level of education. Um, up until that point, I had certain opportunities. And I want to really touch on that for a second because I want people to understand that even when opportunities are scarce earlier in life, there are ways to come back from that. I missed out on what should have been five years of my K-12 education. I was supposed to be homeschooled. Parents didn't have the right resources. Public school had just given up. And so what should have been grades seven through 11 were all but non-existent. Wow. Above and beyond that, I have just enough vision within my eye that I can barely read some print if it's magnified enough. Now, I would not consider myself to be functionally literate with prints. It's not the kind of literacy that allows me to do employment or to go to school or whatever without assistive technology. However, I was not introduced to assistive technology or Braille until a few months shy of my 18th birthday. And the final point on this is I actually started off after making my way back and getting my GED, getting some blindness skills when I was 18 and 19 years old, I started off at Boise State. Go Broncos. Yeah. (laughs) Thinking, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I had the intellect and the preparation now to go to school. And I was right to some degree. I was able to follow along conceptually, but I didn't have the study skills. And then a couple of years into my undergrad degree, I had a series of mental health crises and that's when the chronic pain really started to kick in. And I did not know how to reach out for help and say, hey, I am floundering here. Is there more we can do to make this accessible? And so toward the end of what should have been my junior year, I was halfway through. I had 70 some odd credits or something like that. I ended up actually failing out of school because I didn't know where to go and my body and mind just couldn't do it anymore. So I had to go back and did some work for a while, got myself a little bit more right, had to start almost completely from scratch. I had two classes that transferred over into the online school that I started. So I literally had to start from scratch and build my way back up. And that's how I got my undergrad degree while having a couple of surgeries and all sorts of other things, kids and various stuff. I'm happy to say now, I think the difference of timing, because now I think that there's so many more opportunities at Boise State and other universities, and they've, they've been become more aware. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that though. Keep keep going, keep going. This is, this is very, very good. I I think people listening to this, you know, it it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're disabled, non-disabled, doesn't matter. I mean, it's inspiring to hear the story because it's, it's something that says, if he can do it, I can do it too. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, this isn't an indictment on BSU at all. This is, I was a guy in my early twenties who didn't know 
how to get help beyond the obvious disability I had. I had, you know, just been diagnosed with ADHD as a young adult. I was just getting diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, et cetera, et cetera. And so, man, you had it all. You had you had it all, Daniel. Oh my goodness, I did. I did. But you know, my point in all of this, like you said, is you know where I was at at twenty three or even thirty three didn't have to define me. It was just a matter of stepping stones that have brought me to where I am. So I really want to get that message out there because I've had people who have said, oh, well, it's easy for you because you've always been this way. So you know how to do X, Y, and Z. No, my, my, my circumstances have changed too. I've had to learn some very hard lessons too. And so it's never easy. It's never going to be easy, but it is possible. There always is a a path forward for more progress. Absolutely. No, I'm, I mean, I know you, I asked you what you were proud of, but I, I'm so proud of you for getting to this point and being able to do the things that you've accomplished and overcome all of those obstacles that you went through. And I'm just like in awe. I love it. I love it. Okay. So what's some advice that you would want to give someone? Because... We wanted to, we actually spell it P-E-A-C-E-S of me, because we wanted to reinforce that notion that we are not missing a piece. We're not broken or somehow incomplete, but that unharnessing our potential comes by recognizing what is in us and finding that way to embrace our identity. And so that's why we spell it P-E-A-C-E-S. And yeah. I'm, I'm really proud of my team that we have survived a lot of financial instability. We've survived having to put together the right team, people who not only want to contribute and believe in the mission, but also have the right tools and also have the right availability. That's, that's a rough thing to figure out, especially when you just so happened to launch an organization during a pandemic. That did yeah. not make things easier. That's, yeah, that's a whole nother obstacle. Oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. And, and I I want to know, okay, so so what's a piece of advice that you'd like to give someone who may want to pursue a career similar to yours or, or a path that's similar to yours? What kind of advice would you give them? I would say, first and foremost, go after what you want to do rather than what you think you're capable of. Because if you're in circumstances like mine and like so many, we are the first ones to limit our own potential based on our doubts. So ask yourself what you want to do. And then realize if you are thinking of going into advocacy or into the law, that there are many, many different ways for you to get into this field and create a tremendous amount of good. It's a very versatile degree. It's a very versatile field that you can get into and really make a positive impact based on the experiences and the knowledge that you bring in. I love that very much. Um, okay, so how do you now, how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of the things that are happening in, in your area? I do a lot of reading both through articles and the news and, you know, podcasts, books, et cetera, not only in the disability rights sphere, but in the entrepreneurial space as well. 
Okay, wait. Tell tell us how you read, though, because I think this is important for people to understand. Absolutely. So I have an iPhone, and I use what is called VoiceOver, which is the built-in um, speech synthesizer. And I also use Zoom, which is the screen magnifier, so I can use those things to read through articles and such. And then I also do a lot of audio reading. So audiobooks and, and, and the like I can do as well. Yes, I love audiobooks more than anything. <laughs> that's, yep. that's awesome. Okay, yep. um, so how can people reach out to you? How can they support you? How can they use your services and the things that you do with both your foundation and um, with, your, with the law degree that you now have? Absolutely. So we are piecesofme.org, and that's P-E-A-C-E-S of me.org. We are on all of the major social platforms as well. So please reach out, like, follow, share with your friends, get in touch because we want this community to grow and we want to really have people engaged and sharing knowledge and support and, support and hope with one another. And, you know, I will all make sure that you have the handles for the social media and everything, the contact info, everything in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Okay. If you could step into my shoes for a minute, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you already? I guess the only other thing I could think of is just other ways to support. And so again, I would go back and say, even if you don't have, you know, if you don't identify as having a disability, you know, know that your contributions or questions are welcome. Uh, we are a nonprofit. And so we're always you know, trying to get people involved, volunteering, donating, etc., And so all of that information is available on the website and through our social. And, you know, by all means, if, if we can answer questions, if we can help people navigate this world that we're in, we're happy to do so. Uh, thank you so much, Daniel, for your time and all of the energy that you have put forth to this nonprofit and helping people through all of these obstacles that you yourself have overcome. And just thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing and have done. I really I, I enjoy hearing wonderful stories, success stories and things that are, you know, making the world a better place. So just thank you, Daniel. Well, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure talking with you today. Absolutely. Okay, so for those of you listening, the best thing that you could possibly do, and especially this one, share it with those that you know need to hear Daniel's message today. And of course, give us some lovely reviews and all the things that help us get this podcast out in the world. And yeah, just thank you for listening. And until next time, everyone, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.